0: We certainly don't believe in innovation for innovation's sake. Innovation has to be driven by a practical outcome that you're trying to solve. So what is the practical outcome that we are trying to solve? That disconnect between uh, textbook or academic learning and industry skills and industry relevance.
1: Hello and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. This is the second of three discussions I had at the University's Australia Conference in Canberra in February 2020. Having talked last year with several university leaders as part of Season 1, my grandiose name for the 2019 episodes, I thought I should focus on private sector delegates to the conference, people who are working alongside universities and delivering services to them. In this episode, I talk with Matt Jacobson, the founder and CEO of Douceur Global Business School. The word Douceur, comes from the Latin duceri, to lead, to guide, to drive, and its modern Italian equivalent. This captures Matt's aspiration for the school he founded and possibly something about him. He is a ball of energy. It's exhausting, really. Matt Jacobson has spent his career in ed tech, having founded two education startups that were later sold to public companies before establishing duceur Matt has delivered keynotes from Harvard University to Universities Australia conferences. He's been interviewed on the future of higher education on channels from Sky News to TEDx, brands that are admittedly bigger than Talking Tertiary at the moment. Here's the interview. Matt Jacobson, welcome to Talking Tertiary. Thank you so much, Stephen. Absolute pleasure. Now, I mentioned California, and perhaps you could start by explaining where you are primarily working at the moment, and then we'll go back into what DUSER is about.
0: Absolutely. So, in terms of where we're primarily working, if you're talking about me personally, I'm based in Southern California now, and we are doing a lot of global work with major global corporations, which, being based in the US, particularly with work that we're doing in Europe makes it more attractive as a market. But as a company, most of our staff, our production, and most of our academics are still in Australia as an Australian-founded business.
1: Right. So now take me back to the beginning about so What was the sort of founding idea? Why did you think it had a place or some real advantage to offer?
0: So we really wanted to solve a problem that we saw in the marketplace of higher education, and it's not just us. I mean, a lot of people will talk about the perceived disconnect between what happens, say, in a lecture hall of a campus and the skills that individuals need to do a job in the workplace. There's quite a void between those two worlds. So often you'll hear people saying I did an accounting degree at X University, I did a design degree at Y University and then when I started working in the real world I really had to teach myself a lot of the skills to be able to do my job and so that was an issue where we thought there wasn't enough integration, there wasn't enough application between what's happening in the campus and in the the real world, and so that was really the impetus for Dessert, to create what we wanted to deliver as a vision of the most applied, industry-connected university degrees that exist anywhere on the planet
1: and I know because I was involved in this from in a different role at the time, you had an MBA which was built around problems and so people in their own workplace were helping to solve problems of their workplace? Correct,
0: that's exactly right. So we deliver bachelor degrees all the way through to postgraduate degrees but the industry connection operates really from A to Z in everything that we do. So we design curriculum with industry leaders. So not only the professors and the academic that are, of course, a fundamental part of any learning environment, but there's another layer which is critical for us, which is having a global leaders' faculty of presidents, prime ministers, Nobel Prize winners, global CEOs, heads of the United Nations, heads of the CIA, really amazing, dynamic people that have been in the real world building billion-dollar businesses or leading countries. So that's one element of the industry applicability. But then you're exactly right, Stephen. So we work with companies from KPMG to NAB to Telstra, Disney, United Nations, Fox Studios, and essentially the students or employees within those organisations who are undertaking an MBA, as part of their MBA, are solving real complex challenges and problems of those organisations. So it's not you do your day job, at the UN and then you're doing your university at night. It's trying to bring those worlds together. And so you're doing your embedded MBA programs, solving problems of that organization simultaneously.
1: Now, as I mentioned, um, I'm interested in disruption, Uh, not necessarily in sort of subversive disruption, but change that helps the whole sector evolve and move along. And and I know because I remember sitting in the audience at a previous UA conference, you served it up to publicly funded universities. So in what way do you think that you're contributing to change and development in tertiary education?
0: Yeah, so that's a good question. So I think it's important to also recognise that we are not a university and everything that we do all over the world is with fantastic university partners. So we are working collaboratively with universities, typically major public universities, that see the vision and the innovation of what we're trying to create. We certainly don't believe in innovation for innovation's sake. Innovation has to be driven by a practical outcome that you're trying to solve. So what is the practical outcome that we are trying to solve? That disconnect between uh, textbook or academic learning and industry skills and industry relevance. So that's fundamentally what we're trying to achieve. But it goes beyond that. Universities are fundamentally consumer-based marketplaces. So a university, although they have some engagement with industry, really they're a consumer market. They'll deal with an individual student who will enroll. We, on the other hand, are dealing with corporations. So when you're dealing with corporations, a whole range of items come up that universities wouldn't otherwise have to deal with. So we're thinking about what is the return on investment for corporations to support staff education. We're thinking about things like How do you retain quality staff? How do you attract staff? How do you become an employer of choice? And then how are you designing degree programs to meet those corporate objectives? And when you're dealing with a consumer, you have very different issues as a university you need to deal with, but they're different to the things that we're dealing with. And why I believe it's so relevant for universities and why we think it's a genuine collaboration where we both get fantastic value, us and the universities, is we're at the cutting edge of industry relevance. Because our industry clients don't have any room for failure. If we're not delivering a high-quality program that's actually delivering corporate objectives, they're just gonna walk away. We're not gonna waste our time, we're not gonna waste our money. So they're quite unforgiving. So you're really forced to ensure that everything that you're doing is driving an ROI thought process within a government department or a corporate client.
1: So, I mean, for many years, we've been hearing about so-called corporate universities, and obviously some exist. What you're doing isn't a single corporate university, because as you say, you're working with university partners. But I'm interested in your views on, on the corporate university. You know, does it have a future? Because an organization large enough could just have its own in-house university, train its own people. yes. And, scale.
0: So, um, that's an interesting term, corporate university, and it depends on the marketplace that you're referring to. So, in the US, for example, in the United States, the term university can be used quite loosely. So, a major company like Bank of America could just say, we have Bank of America University. Now, it's not a university in the way you and I think of a university. They just call it that, and they might be running internal half-day workshops. In Australia, you can't do that. It would not be legal for a major bank here to call themselves a university unless they were actually a registered university. But I think what we're really getting at is what is it that the corporation is doing themselves versus collaborating with a university? And this is a really interesting question that gets to the heart of where is the value to a business? Because if you are Bank of America or Telstra or whoever, You've got a couple of options. You can deliver an internal program, maybe a better term might be, say, a corporate academy. So Telstra could create the Telstra Academy or ANZ could create ANZ Institute. And they can deliver skills-based education. There's great benefits to that because it's driving the actual competencies and skills that that organisation needs. The downside is that employees are generally disengaged from that process because the skills are not recognised. You don't get any formal recognition. And so partnering with a university that is delivering applied learning now hits on two objectives, the skills that the company wants, but the motivation, the retention, the recognition that the employees want.
1: But some of what you were saying then is also the now language of the micro-credential, which in some ways isn't necessarily about universities at all. So why aren't you just going into the whole micro-credential business and then
0: validating them, certifying them with digital badges? That is a fantastic question, and we get asked that a lot. And again, it comes to always not thinking about the education and what education do we want to create, thinking about the client, the corporation, what are their objectives, what are their challenges, and what are they trying to achieve? So if you're going to look at the challenges of a corporation, the key challenges are how to attract and retain key talent. That is on the top of the agenda of any major corporation or department anywhere in the world. Micro-credentials are not going to solve that challenge because staff are not going to be excited about the fact that they did a four-week program or a half-day program that doesn't have any recognition. It doesn't go on their CV. It doesn't go on their LinkedIn profile. And the problem for the company is it doesn't address the challenge of retention. Because you're not going to retain a staff because they're doing a four-week micro-credential. On the other hand, if you're supporting staff to do a bachelor's degree, and that employee is part of the great value they get for getting a bachelor's degree, commit to the company for staying with that business for, say, four years, you're solving the challenge of attracting and retaining key staff. So a degree that universities can uniquely provide is something that a micro-credential cannot solve for a company.
1: Okay. Well, um, finally, let's just talk about the future, your vision. You've come a long way with Doucet since I was first talking to you about it. But I know you're an ambitious and visionary guy. Where's it all going to go next? Yeah,
0: no, thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, to be honest, Stephen, you were one of the first vice chancellors as an innovator and a visionary that saw what we were doing and partnered with us for this vision that we had, so you know, kudos to you and hats off because you know there's a lot of me too followers that are easier to come into the market. It's always very challenging to be kind of the first to think, wow, that's different, that's interesting. Maybe we can trial that and see how it goes. So that really is, you know, congratulations to you for having that innovative mindset. But the future for us is absolutely growth within the corporate sector. And again, when you think about corporate sector, we're thinking about challenges that universities don't normally think of in a consumer market. The next challenge for us is access and flexibility the biggest barrier that we overcome we've we've already covered the barrier of applicability we've been able to overcome the barrier of price for corporations the other big barrier is time everyone says well how can I do a degree I have got family I'm working full time how do I find the time and the next technologies that we're using around podcasting apps on your phone artificial intelligence voice-to-text technologies so that you as a student can be enrolled into an MBA and you can click on on your phone and as you're driving in your commute to work, be listening to your next lecture. You can be on the treadmill with earpods in and listening to your next lecture. Mm -hmm. And it's about how do we embed university degrees inside someone's lifestyle, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having this huge commitment on top of everything else they're doing.
1: Well, Matt Jacobson, it's been great talking to you, going back over how Doucet has evolved and also thinking about the future. So thank you for joining me and talking tertiary. Thanks, Stephen. That's great. Well, that was my conversation with Matt Jacobson of Dusseh Global Business School, an Australian education provider working in several countries delivering degrees in partnership with local universities. You can listen to other episodes in Seasons 1 and 2 on our website kpmg.com slash au slash Talking Tertiary or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.